Will you outlast your money? Do you stay awake at night worrying about providing for your family? Are you making the right decisions about your investments? There are many life-changing decisions that arise and questions you want answered when going through divorce or after you've received your settlement. This is the Financially Ever After podcast, where you'll hear stories of women like you and get advice from the industry's top professionals. Here's your award-winning and nationally recognized host, Stacey Francis. Welcome to Financially Ever After. I'm Stacey Francis, your host. And today we're going to be speaking with Kim Shasinski. She is a matrimonial attorney and focuses on helping individuals through the divorce process as an attorney focusing on mediation, collaborative law, as well as negotiated settlements. She's co-authored Stress-Free Divorce, Volume 3, to raise public awareness about collaborative divorce, and also is the host of a weekly radio show called Happily Even After. In fact, we're going to be talking a little bit more about that more in depth in our conversation today. She's been designated as a super lawyer, not one, not two, but 11 years in a row and received the highest possible rating in legal ability and ethical standards. She's been recognized for her expertise through numerous awards, being listed as New York Times top lawyers and top 50 most influential women and business. I'm very excited to be talking with Kim today. We're going to be talking about women, money, and divorce. And whether you're a woman who feels like she's on top of the finances or not, this is the podcast for you. We're also going to be talking a little bit about something that, well, is a little difficult to speak about, and that is financial abuse. What is financial abuse? And more importantly, Kim shares what you can do to protect yourself and move through the divorce process as whole and have a future that's as financially secure as possible. So be sure to wait to the end. And I want to say thank you again for making this investment in yourself, in your financial future in your family, and tuning in to Financially Ever After. Without further ado, please help me welcome our guest today, Kim Shasinski. So Kim, thank you for being here today at Financially Ever After. And for all of you listening, as you just heard me introduce Kim a few moments ago, Kim is a matrimonial attorney. And I just love to hear about your story. How did you get into this field? Oh, first, Stacey, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. How did I get into this field? It was, it was accidental. (laughs) (laughs) I come from a family of law enforcement and I wanted to be an ADA. I interned in the NASA ADA's office between college and law school. And that was my path. And second year in law school, it was time to get an internship. So I went on an interview and the first firm that called me was a matrimonial firm. Oh my gosh. I say to my parents, oh, I don't want to go. I don't want to do this. I know matrimony is the one thing I know I never want to do. They're like, just go. You need the experience. So I go on the interview. And after about two hours with the two partners, they hired me, offered me the job on the spot. And being so young and inexperienced, I didn't, I didn't know what to say. So I said, yes. <laughs> I said, 30 years later, a divorce attorney. <laughs> but it actually, it ended up being a very good fit for my personality. Nice. Yeah. It has morphed into something that really is very rewarding for me. 
and I feel like I'm providing a service and helping people, which is nice. It really goes along well with your personality. You have such a warm, helping personality that that's what this profession is. It's helping people who are going through really difficult times and unraveling what can be really, really overwhelming. And you're very committed to that. And I am so fascinated for all of you listeners today. Kim has a radio show, a radio show, which, you know, we were just talking a little bit before we jumped on of how much I respect her because that is live. And for all of you, this is not live. So if we make a mistake, we could go back. If there's a fire drill, we can go back. If we didn't like what we said and want to say it differently, we can go back. But Kim, you can't do that. But I'd love to hear a little bit about your radio show, how our listeners can find it and tune in, and also about some of the topics that you cover, because you cover some really important key topics for couples going through divorce. Sure, sure. First of all, thank you for all the lovely compliments. That's very nice of you to say. And the radio show is live, which is a new endeavor for me and and a a bit scary, but I'm becoming more comfortable in my own skin doing it now. And I am so enjoying it. I feel really fortunate to have this platform to be able to talk about the things that I think are so important to people who are going through the process. Mm -hmm. Divorce is not just the piece of paper that says you're divorced. It is so many ancillary issues and topics that need to be addressed and changes that need to be made. So I, I try to talk about those things on the show and I'm really enjoying it. I bring on wonderful guests you being one of them. And that was a fabulous show, not a great response. So thank you again. So yeah, I'm really enjoying it. It's, it's a great opportunity. And some of the topics that I've done, I brought on psychologists who have talked about things such as co-parenting and specifically co-parenting through the holidays and through a pandemic, which is- Yeah, wow. Co-parenting is challenging enough, but doing it in the holidays in a pandemic is- Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And one show we had divorcing the narcissist because that is its own special brand of hell. Mm-hmm. Um, really, really difficult thing to go through. And that was really informative. And your show uh, talking about how difficult it is for women financially to start over and, you know, the challenges that they face that are unique to them. But men and women both have challenges in a divorce, but there's different challenges for women. Um, mm-hmm different different assistance. So I, I love the opportunity to get to speak to those kinds of things. Yeah. Well, I'd love to piggyback on that too, of particularly for women, you know, financially ever after, you know, we mostly have women who are listening in. And you know, what do you see as some of those issues, the women that that come in your doors that are, you know, starting the divorce process and has that changed at all with COVID or are you seeing the same issues over and over again? It's always the same issues. It, it really is. Not to overgeneralize, but for the most part, when a woman who has been in a traditional marriage after a decade, two decades, however many decades she's been in this marriage and it's ending, whether it was by her choice or by her spouse's choice, when she walks through my door and she's had the role of the homemaker and the mom and hasn't had a whole lot of responsibility in the financial world, there's always this overwhelming expression of grief, Mm -hmm. shame, embarrassment, and they hold themselves responsible for not knowing the ins and outs and the intricacies of their financial life. Mm -hmm. And I say to them the same thing. Look, when we get married, we assume roles. Sometimes it's 
after discussion and, and it's, it's a, a conscious thing. And sometimes it just happens. We fall into the roles that our parents had in marriage. Mm-hmm. And you, your husband didn't micromanage your roles. You had your jobs. Yeah. Taking care of that house. You were taking yeah. those kids and running to doctor's appointments and extracurricular activities. Your husband wasn't standing over your shoulder saying, did you get Johnny the soccer ball? Did you, you know, what yeah. coach this year? He wasn't micromanaging your jobs. So why yeah. this retroactive expectation that you should have been micromanaging his job? Yeah. So, you know, I try to alleviate the shame and the guilt that they feel. And I also tell them that's a tremendous waste of emotional energy. You're going to need a lot of energy to get through this. You can't undo that. Forgive yourself, let it go, and let's move forward. Yeah, and you're not alone. I mean, I think that's really important. There was a a survey that just was released recently by Prudential, and they found that women feel no more prepared to make wise financial decisions today than they did a decade ago. And while many of us feel like we've learned more over the years, you know, when we actually look at how we are, there's a really big competence gap. And it's not that women can't can't do this. We're just as smart. We have as many brain cells as our male counterparts. It's just many of us don't have as much experience. And, you know, I, I think about the first time I, I got behind the wheel to learn how to drive. It was one of the most frightening things in the world. And, and bless, I'm a good driver now, Kim, but it took me a while. But how unnatural and how frightening and scary. And, you know, it's kind of the same thing with finances. If you haven't really been part of that process, then it can be very, very frightening and, and very overwhelming. But for some individuals, this moves into something that's even worse, where it's not just they haven't been part of the finances because, you know, it was kind of like, divide and conquer and you tackle this and I'll tackle that and kind of like almost a whack-a-mole of trying to manage all the responsibilities, especially with kids. But there sometimes are divorces where you find out that on purpose, she has been left in the dark. And how often do you see that? And if a woman is listening to this and is starting to peel back the onion and realize, you know what, it's not because I just wasn't interested. It's actually he on purpose has kept me out of this portion of our marriage. What are the things to think about there, Kim? Well, first of all, I think the initial reaction that, that women have to money, I think our girls in our society are socialized differently and raised differently and somehow internalized different messages about money and our ability to handle it and our relationship. Yeah. I find that women have a completely different relationship to money, the concept of money, than my male clients do. Women are very often afraid of money, afraid of mm-hmm. having, afraid of managing it, afraid of losing it. There's such a high degree of fear there and uncomfortableness even dealing with it. When you ramp it up to the next level where it's intentional, mm-hmm. the fear can be paralyzing. It really can. Yeah. That's a whole other level of shame. Not only didn't you make yourself aware, you allowed yourself in your mind, because it's not true, a woman will feel, I allowed myself to be victimized for whatever reason, okay? And it is a form of victimization. Financial abuse is every bit as real as physical abuse and emotional abuse. And it can be certainly be just as devastating, if not more so. Can you talk about financial abuse? Because I feel like it's the abuse no one talks about. It is. Basically, a woman will be relegated to the position of a child, represented a lot of women who 
have never had their name on a bank account, have no knowledge of what their husband earns or where their money is, what they have, and is not allowed to have it. It's not allowed to have a credit card, is given either a paltry sum of money every week as an allowance. Mm-hmm. That allowance amount will be altered if she does something that angers her husband and she needs to be punished. So the concept is a very paternalistic, punitive relationship between the parties with regard to money. And that brings with it the whole host of feelings of shame yeah. um, that women who suffer physical and emotional abuse feel. And sounds like it's very much using money as a way to control someone and also using money as a way to punish someone. I once handled a case many, many years ago where the woman was not allowed to have access to any money at all. And if she needed gas in her car, he would follow her to the gas station and fill her car, pay for it. And she'd get in her car and drive away. If she needed food, he, he, did, all, he did all the shopping, all the, everything. She was not allowed to have access to any money for any reason whatsoever. That was horrific. Absolutely horrific. And when she comes to the divorce, how do you get her up to speed? Like, I mean, how does that even look like? It's not just me. You know, I can get her up to speed legally and what her rights are. I tend to have a more holistic approach to my clients. I don't just view myself as the lawyer who's going to give them the law and lead them down the path. I like to avail my clients of all the resources that they need. It takes a team to create a financially independent and strong woman, single, you know, divorced woman. So I guide my clients to the people that they need, the experts that they need to help them. So I can explain to a woman like that, this is the law and you This is not how you should be treated and you're entitled to this, this, and this. But there's such a psychological barrier there that I am also going to get that person some help, some counseling. I'm going to get that person to a financial advisor. I'm going to do everything I can to give that woman the tools that she needs to educate herself, heal from her, her psychological wounds, and move on to be an independent, strong woman. Have you ever seen, Kim, a correlation between someone who comes in where you can see very clearly that there's been withholding of information, potentially even financial abuse, that through the divorce, their spouse is not participating, is not presenting and filling out the statement of net worth the way that actually with all the information, do you find that happens more frequently? Constantly. And it's, you know, that's what they make subpoenas for. (laughs) But very often you cannot... And can you talk about that? Because the word subpoena scares the bejeebers out of me and it, and it may scare the bejeebers out of everyone else. And it may, maybe it's just me, but what do you mean by using subpoenas? How do you use a subpoena to be able to get this information? Because you're legally entitled to know about it, but how can you use that as, as the lawyer, as a tool to help discover that information? First of all, in every, every divorce case, there is mandated, it's mandatory financial disclosure of everything. Okay, whatever you want, you are entitled to. It's a very broad-based discovery. And you start by serving a demand for a discovery, discovery and inspection of documents. It's a document production list, in essence. And if the person doesn't cooperate, you can serve a subpoena on the institute. So say I I send a, a demand for discovery and inspection of bank statements. And for whatever reason, I don't receive them. And I've requested them and, you know, sent notices of you're not complying. You can serve a subpoena on the bank. And the bank will send, you have to pay for it, but the bank will send the bank records. And you can do that for virtually anything, any financial institution. You can subpoena employment records, you know, pension 
pension records, anything, anything financially related you, you can get one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Now, is there ever a situation where a judge has heard a horrific story of financial abuse and that has impacted equal distribution and the percentage that she receives and he receives? Are there times when because of just really bad behavior on the part of one spouse, another person has a different award because of that? Okay. Years ago, you needed you needed to prove fault, grounds for a divorce. Mm-hmm. And in very rare exceptions, somebody would be afforded a greater percentage of the, of the marital estate if the behavior was deemed to be egregious. And yeah. definition of egregious was just, we're talking like, hits put out on the woman, you know, every bone in the body broken. I mean, really bad. So one woman was put in a coma and for that she got the privilege of getting 10% more of the marital estate. We don't live in that world anymore. Now, the way, because now we are a no-fault state, thankfully, yeah. the world. Now, marital dissipation is taken into account, not marital fault per se. So if the fault is financial related, let's say the husband has a gambling addiction and mm-hmm. has gambled away half a million dollars in the past two years, the wife is entitled to be compensated for that because that's deemed marital waste. Mm-hmm. Unless it rises to the level of marital waste, decisions that you make within a marriage are not examined by a court and judged. Like, you bought that Porsche last year? No, 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 no. Give your wife a <laughs> I don't go in and micromanage and, and retroactively judge purchases that you've made unless it rises to the level where it clearly... Yeah. Read upon expense and it's okay. Okay. So then the other person who's been aggrieved will be compensated and given yeah. back, you know, their share of, of what yeah. we Now, in these situations where you're you're able to use, you know, subpoenas as a tool to be able to get this information, when does it make sense to bring in a forensic? And and just for everybody listening, at Francis Financial, we are not forensic accountants. So you know, if there's a fear that your husband has money in the Cayman Islands, we're not the right ones to find it. There are people that, you know, live and breathe this work and are fraud examiners and they're, they're excellent. But with someone listening, Kim, what would you tell them, you know what, you might want to have a consultation or talk to your lawyer about potentially having a forensic come in just to make sure that you have truly all the assets? What are the things you look for? So there's a couple of ways that we use forensic accounts, and one of them being to appraise the value of a business. Okay, so that's a clear cut. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sometimes to analyze stream of income to find out what somebody really earns. Because yep. what you put on your tax return as your you know your adjusted gross income is not necessarily what you're earning. So you may want a forensic accountant for that purpose. Sometimes the marital estate and the investments are so complex, and there's been so much transferring back and forth between, you know, dozens and dozens of accounts intentionally to make it difficult to track. The average person can't do that. So that's when I will say, hey, let's let's bring in a forensic account to look at everything and figure out what is actually here and what has mysteriously disappeared. Mm -hmm. It's like the shell game, you know, sometimes. Yeah, I'll tell you, I'm not good at the shell game. I don't even play it. And I I watch other people from behind them pre-COVID. And I always lose. So I'm like, okay, I'm really not good at the shell game. So that's interesting. So when someone is a victim of financial abuse, they've they've come to you and you're getting all the information and the assets, do you have any 
I hate to use the word tips, but advice, because, you know, essentially they're standing up to a bully, someone who's been bullying them for possibly much of their adult life. And how can you help her stand up to someone who has been beating her down and she may not have the strength, as much strength as she needs, she may just may not have it. I have to tell you, I proceed very cautiously because I don't know often if empowering someone to actually stand up and confront the bully is going to result in abuse, physical abuse, harm in some way. So I tread very lightly there. I find that a, a useful tool in the beginning when I'm getting to know the lay of the land is to simply encourage someone to start educating herself. Knowledge is power in my book. Yeah. So, you know, start opening the bank statements. It's, it doesn't matter that his name is on the envelope. It's your money too. You know, yeah. open up the, look, look through your tax returns. Start availing yourself of the information that's lying around that you've always been told is none of your business and you're not allowed to touch. And start there. And that yeah. to shake loose, you know, the yeah. and move them out of their state of inertia. You know, yeah. oh, okay. I think everyone's like this, but women in particular, yeah. when you feel you don't know something and you're not entitled to know something, and then you take that first step to know it, all of a sudden you feel empowered. You're like, hey, I can do this. Mm-hmm. So I start there rather than saying, you're going to go home and you're going to stand up to him. I don't, uh, you know, that that's a very risky thing for me to do. Yeah. Putting somebody in harm's way. Yeah. And I imagine also letting them know, just like you said, this is your money too. It doesn't matter whose name is on the title. Doesn't matter that the 401k is under his name or your name, that if it was earned during the marriage, it's, well, it's marital. That is a mindset that is so challenging to overcome with women. When they believe it, they believe it. I didn't work for that pension. I'm not entitled to it. That's his. No, 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 no. It doesn't work that way. Because you home and raise the children, is what enabled him to go to that job and save that money for retirement. You did your job, he did his job. The fruits of the labor are combined and they're marital and you're entitled to it. That's a hard mindset to get women to accept. Yeah, and often I see that mindset is because that's what he said, that's his language. He's told her that all my retirement, you are not touching my retirement. I worked for that. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, that's not the way that the law sees it, you know. So, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And helping yourself, supporting yourself to to get rid of that mindset, it really is. And, and I will tell you, I'm on the other side. For me, it's hard for me to even think of having a mindset where just because it's in my husband's account, it's not mine as well. You know, so I'm on the other side. But it just goes to show that we can tell ourselves things. We can make stories in our minds that are not necessarily true. All the time, yes. Yeah. Well, I know we're coming up to the time. Anything else that you would say, particularly to women who are thinking about getting started in the process of divorce? And when this podcast is going to be coming out, it will be very timely. I, I know for us, we find a lot of individuals reaching out to us for information. They don't know what they want to do, if they want to move forward, but they want to start to at least inform themselves. And we find that in the beginning of the year, you know, a lot of wonderful just 
education. And so a lot of individuals are doing their research and getting that information. What advice would you say to them about, number one, how you interview lawyers, what information you can look at? And I love the idea of just like start to look at the mail. Right. But anything else that you might share? Okay. The first step is the hardest step. When a woman has in her mind and is only in her mind, she thinks that she wants to get out of this marriage. And it's a voice that she repeats to herself over and over again. And then she decides to act on it. That first step, that initial step of picking up the phone and calling, calling an attorney is so hard because you've taken it out of your head and you've put it into the real world. Yeah. Oh my God. It's real. It's real. It's real. But take a deep breath. Just because you uttered the words out loud doesn't mean you have to do it. Take the baby step of calling an attorney going for a consultation and learning what your rights are. You're not committing to anything just because you have walked through a divorce attorney's door. Mm-hmm. All you've committed to is educating yourself. Yeah. Like I said, information is power. So just that first step, just take that, take that first step. And things kind of flow. Like I said, you, you start to get your mojo and your sense of confidence and you go with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I have to say, and this is probably something that you you have seen too. There has not been one woman that we've worked with who, after everything is done, who isn't thankful for her new life. As hard fought as it was or whatever that journey was to get there, just is is really relieved that she's in this place. And for women, I mean, we live much longer than men and there's no reason not to live our best life Everyone is entitled to happiness. Yeah. And the divorce is really is a form of a rebirth. They Mm -hmm. get to redefine themselves. You know, you can become an entirely new person with a new life. It is a rebirth of sorts. Yeah. I love that. And looking at it that way, I was just talking to a woman and she was sharing how, you know, for the first time after 40 years of marriage, she could buy her own dishes, the dishes she wanted. And they weren't necessarily expensive, but they were the dishes she wanted, yes. you know, and, and how powerful and amazing that was for her to, to have something that she liked, it's you know, like that. But think about it over the course of 40 years, she probably had a million of those little things yeah. that were stunting her and keeping her from expressing who she was. And now she's free to be who she wants to be. Maybe yeah. Her own decisions. It's very empowering. So, yeah. Oh. Well, Kim, thank you so much. And if you could kindly share with our listeners today how they can reach out to you, I'd love to you know, find a little bit more about your website, if there's another good way to contact you as well, and the types of clients you work with and the locations that you can also work with them would be great. Okay. My website is adrlawny.com. You can reach me at 516-308-2922. My firm is located in Garden City, New York, and I practice in Nassau, Suffolk, occasionally Queens and the other in Manhattan. Um, but the bulk of my practice is um, Long Island. And my radio show is Happily Even After, because I do believe that you can live happily even after divorce. It is every Thursday from five to six on 103.9 FM. That's linewsradio.com. If you can't get it to tune in live, you can listen to it online. And that's one of the most beautiful gifts is you can just go online, listen to it there. That's great. And I love the topic 
you know, as everybody knows, we're, we're listening to Financially Ever After. And I was so drawn to your radio show of Happily Even After. I, I feel like we totally sync. We totally sync. And all of you listening, thank you. We'll make sure that we have in our show notes for today, Kim's radio show information where you can tune in live to that, as well as her website and her phone number and all that great information. And and thank you for taking a really tough topic, money and even financial abuse and sharing it in a way with empathy and real understanding without judgment. and. Most importantly, I know I'm walking away empowered, empowered that wherever a woman is in her financial knowledge and whatever her relationship is with money and her husband, that she can make her own life. She can transform her life to be what she deserves and live financially secure and with the right team be able to make sure that she knows all the assets and isn't, you know, in any way taken advantage of and able to, you know, really feel confident about her new life. So thank you so much, Kim. Thank you so much for having me. It's a real privilege to be able to share this information. And even if one woman's life is improved by it, I'm I'm thrilled. That's really great. Well, the good news is we have thousands of listeners. So (laughs) Kim, you know, it's going to be more than that. So And so thank you everybody for tuning in and continuing to share Financially Ever After with your dear friends, loved ones, family, people who can really benefit from this information. So continue to do that because as we know, knowledge is power. Thank you again for Kim for being here and everyone, we will be seeing you in two weeks. Thank you. Thank you for joining me and Kim today to talk about women, divorce and money and financial abuse. I want to go through some key points, but before I do, I want to tell you about a important resource for you. Here at Francis Financial, we have a second opinion program free of charge. We can help you review your finances, look through everything, give you the reassurance that you're on track, or be able to give you some suggestions and tweaks to put you in a better financial position. We're here as a resource for you. So please do reach out. You can reach out to us at www.francisfinancial.com or you can reach out to me personally, Stacy, S-T-A-C-Y at francisfinancial.com. I'd like to take this time to talk a little bit more about financial abuse. Financial abuse can happen when an abuser takes control of the money, the finances, and prevents you from having access to it. They use their power to control you, to maintain power in the relationship, They can even use money as a weapon to punish. If you're worried that you are a victim of financial abuse, reach out to a lawyer to share your fears. Often financial abuse is subtle, it's gradual, and so it may be very hard to recognize. Your partner may even act as if they're taking control of the finances as a way to make life easier for you, but he is not doing you a favor. Get educated, empower yourself, and decide how you're going to leave. And your lawyer can help you do that. And a certified divorce financial analyst can help you make sure that you can afford to do so as well. Thank you for tuning in to Financially Ever After. 
As you know, we come to you every other week with important financial information. You need to make good financial decisions, not only during the divorce process, but just as important afterwards. Please do share this podcast with other people you love. It's a great resource. And that's what we're here about here at Francis Financial. We want to educate, we want to inform, and we want to empower. Thank you for helping us do just that. See you in two weeks.